0: Sovereign in the mountain air, sovereign on the ocean floor, with me in the calm, with me in the
1: storm. Well, hello and good morning. It, it's a good morning to be together when we get to worship the Lord, so glad to see you and thankful to be together. Uh, if you are new this morning, we want to just say welcome to you and, and that we're really glad to have you with us Uh, We'd love to be able to say hello, meet you, and after the service, if you come to the front, you could greet a pastor or elder uh, outside as well at the Welcome Center. Someone would love to say hello, so glad to have you with us. Uh, We also want to say that at Grace, we are a Christ-centered community intent on proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, and sacrificially serving Jesus. And that's for all of us, uh, what we want to be by God's grace as a church. So with that, let's begin our service by reading from God's Word. If you're able, please stand with me, and we're going to read from Psalm 121. The first four verses. Psalm 121 starting in verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Father thank you that you are the shepherd who keeps us, that you never sleep or slumber, Uh, your care for us is constant, both individually and as a church, and we praise you for that, Lord. Uh, Would you show us your care this morning through your word, would you guide us uh, towards uh, knowing Christ, walking with him, experiencing the peace and joy that are found in him. We pray that you would accomplish this this morning for Christ's glory, and it's in his name we pray, amen.
2: Morning, it's a joy to see you this morning. If you're able when you join us in singing, come praise and glorify. If you're joining us from the live stream, you can sing too. We look forward to worshiping with you this morning.
0: But you can
2: sharing with you a new song called I Set My Hope and we're going to sing the chorus and then as you gather the melody, would you join us in singing?
1: Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 100. Psalm 100, and if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there with me. We'll remain standing out of honor for God and his perfect word. Psalm 100, starting from the beginning. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And as we pray, um, I'll just mention that this morning we'll especially be praying for Rick and Dana Franklin, one of the missionary couples that we support. They're serving with a ministry called Arrow Leadership in uh, British Columbia, and many of us know Rick and Dana, so we'll lift them up this morning as we pray together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for providing us with the Psalms, and thank you for Psalm 100. Thank you for the call it is to. Live a life of worship and praise to you. Thank you for the truth that it holds out to us about who you are. Lord, thank you that you are good, that your steadfast love endures forever and your faithfulness to all generations. It's such a comfort to us to know, Lord, that your love is as, as high, uh, higher than the heavens are above the earth, so great is your steadfast love towards those who fear you and that you're faithful to us, that for those of us who trusted in Christ, your promises are sure You will carry us to the end. You're able to make us stand. You keep us from stumbling, and you will bring us home to glory. So, Father, we thank you for that, and we praise you. Would you uh, shape us this morning uh, by your word to to continue to grow to be people whose lives would be characterized by humble praise and worship. Lord, we want to walk with you, to know you, to trust you, that your word would press down deep into who we are so that it would change us at the deepest level. And would you turn us back to you this morning if we're wandering? Um, Lord, we do confess, um, we do confess together that our sins are, are over our heads, Lord, there's more than we can tabulate or know how to account for, um, we just, we fall away from you and turn aside in so many ways, and so we need your mercy and grace again this morning. Thank you for Jesus who gave his life for sinners, he's the only uh, savior and hope that we have, and so we uh, express together as your people that our trust rests completely in him, in the blood that he shed on the cross, in his glorious resurrection, Lord, praise you for your son, for sending your son into the world to redeem people like us. And would our hearts uh, have comfort and joy in light of that this morning. Lord, we want to lift up Rick and Dana to you. We're thankful for them and for their ministry. We pray for your blessing on them as they're seeking to raise up leaders. Pray that you would give them wisdom and grace as they uh, try to do that and to see people come out of their uh, training setting uh, well-equipped to do the work that you have for them. Lord, we pray for Rick and Dana personally, that you would keep them close to yourself, that you would help them to focus on the things that matter most, that you would give them joy and humility as they serve, and we're grateful for their life. Uh, We we pray that you would continue to bless them, Lord. Thank you for this time this morning. We pray that you would bless your church around the world as it gathers uh, to worship you. Thank you that you are the one who comes to us uh, with the presence of your spirit and uh, ministers to us. So we pray that uh, you would have your way in our hearts this morning. It's in Christ's name. Amen.
2: Who one made the heavens made my heart If you're able would you stand once more
0: For I do
2: for you. We are not our own, um, but in the light of your holiness, we are ashamed of our lawlessness and our lovelessness and our apathy towards the means of grace and our forfeiture of what's ours in Christ. Um, you've placed before us infinite fullness and delight, and we are at the gospel well, but never taking in water. Would you, would you heal us? Would you let us hear the voice of Christ who intercedes and advocates for his people so that his words of peace Uh, would would strengthen us to experience refreshment and hope, and to to learn of our first love, and to enter your courts with thanksgiving this morning. And through all these things, uh, by your strength, by your power, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
3: Good to see everyone today, and glad you're here with us, and those that are joining on the live stream so I want to introduce a couple people. I believe is Jason Holt here. Jason, are you here right now? Jason, I knew it. Okay. So Jason, uh, James Holt's brother, Jason and his wife Christy are here. Uh, Jason pastors in Chicago. I believe it's at New Life Church, Brighton Heights, Brighton Park. And so glad to have you here. We love your brother and their family, and. Um, also, I just saw Andrew and Melissa Holbrook back in the back. They, uh, they grew up here, and uh, so they live up up north in, uh, I never know how to say, is it Truckee? Truckee, Trucky, Truckee. Like turkey, but different. Yes, okay. Well, we're glad to have you here, and everyone else as well. I'm sure there's other very special guests that I'm m- missing. Don't get your feelings hurt, okay? So here's the big question, though. Who memorized Psalm 100? Remember, okay, you have to raise your hand high. I've got glasses on. Just don't, don't hide. Who memorized Psalm 100? Okay, no judgment for those who didn't, but praise God. Okay, good. So let's start by reading or reciting Psalm 100. I'm, I'm, this is from the ESV, okay? English Standard Version. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Lord, may your word land as you intend upon our hearts today. May you open our eyes that we would see wonderful things in it. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I had to read that, and the reason why is because I memorized Psalm 100, like, literally 40 years ago, and uh, it was in the New American Standard version, and so um, I'm having a hard time memorizing it in, in new versions, and so it's first hour was like a mashup, you know, and so um, let me say this. If it can be said that whatever you do daily with all your heart is your daily worship, then you want to make living Psalm 100 your daily worship. The God is good and merciful and kind and faithful, and yet all too often we act as if everyone or everything must align to us or else all is lost. So we get into grumbling, we get into complaining instead of grateful praise, and we all do it It's too often in my life. It's kind of like, give me what I want, and no one gets hurt. We get distracted by idolatry, and our sinful choices sink us, and uh, ruinous things ruin us, and uh, Epicurean self-focused pleasure paints this enticing picture, but only leads to slavery. The world is always telling us we need more of what we want. We're always looking for answers, and we end up taking bad advice. Carmakers will tell you, make your wish list a reality. Actor-turned-spiritual guru Matthew McConaughey tells you, take a road trip to more. Get your more of what you want. Uh, Jordan Peterson tells you, work as hard as you can. Elon Musk tells you, follow what makes your soul feel alive. And human wisdom just sinks us deeper. Mindless dead end is a riotous self-made prison And it lacks freedom and joy. But only God knows how to lead your life. And Jesus sets you free by the truth. It's interesting that we're living in a time right now where Bible reading is going down in America, but up elsewhere in the world. If you're thirsty for God's word, you will be satisfied. If you took time this week to dwell in the word of God, you know you had your soul renewed. And the Spirit of God uses the Word of God in your life for His glory. Like the Word of God transforms you by the renewing of your mind. Think about when your soul gets overstimulated by the world and you have uh, runaway thoughts and ambitions and desires. It's like that runaway truck ramp. Psalm 100 is a safety ramp for a runaway life. Or you could look at it as a spa for your soul that's been curated by God for his glory and your good. Or you could look at it as something that defrosts your heart. You know when you start a walk or a run and, and the first few minutes you're thinking, what was I thinking because I don't want to be doing this? But then you adjust to the fact that you're working out. Once you get warmed up, you're glad you got going. Well, the word of God saves and sets you on a path of sanctification And as you meditate on it, as you think about it, basically you're washed in its cleansing goodness. I'm here to tell you today that God can use his word, and especially I'm pointing at Psalm 100 today, to rescue and refocus you away from yourself to his sovereign goodness and glory. That you would worship God daily with grateful praise. We all need it. We've seen recently in Ephesians, we'll be back in Ephesians next week, Ephesians 4.1, we'll be starting Ephesians 4, that God can do immeasurably more, far more, uncountably more than we could ask or think. Whatever you could ask in prayer or anticipate that God would do, he can do more. And what he can do, you really don't ask for and can't think it up. That God designed it like this. And and Psalm 100 is used by God in that way. It's in the book of Psalms. It's the theological song book for the people of God. It's, It's what we are to use to think and pray and sing God's ways. Psalms literally means song. And it's arranged in five books. Basically, you get five books in one when you go with Psalms. The first three close with a double amen. The fourth ends with an amen and a hallelujah. The fifth ends with a hallelujah. Psalm 90 was the first psalm written. It was written by Moses. Uh, there are more commentaries written on the Psalms than any other book in the Bible. They were written between the time of Moses, Psalm 90. So Moses and Exodus following um, also up to the Babylonian exile which ended in Ezra, that would be the last psalm, was Psalm 126. I know in the books it's 150, but Psalm 126 was the last. It was written for God's people. This collection of songs put in final form by people who worked at the temple. And it was a book of praises to God. The people of Israel sang during worship. 72 are from David. There are some from Solomon and Asaph and Heman and the sons of Korah. There are 50 written to the choir master, so a choir of people would sing these songs. It includes songs of praise and lament and thanksgiving and trust and God's kingship and His wisdom. Psalm 1 and 19 and 119 are about the Word of God. Martin Luther called the Psalms a little Bible and a summary of the Old Testament, Charles Spurgeon called them the treasury of David. The New Testament refers to the Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. And the major focus is on the work of the Messiah and his kingdom. Christ is speaking of directly in Psalm 2 and 22 and 45 and 72 and 110. There are many prophecies of Christ in the Psalms. They look forward to his coming and to his his death and, and to his glory. Jesus, after the resurrection, said in Luke 24, All things must be fulfilled that were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms about me. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and preaches from the Psalms Psalm 16, Psalm 132, Psalm 110. Because Jesus is the point, He's the object of, of the worship of the Psalms. Hebrews 2 tells us He's the singer of the Psalms and he's their focus. We worship Jesus as king, We rely on him confidently and and two thirds of the way through the book of Psalms, you get to number 100, that's where we're at today. It's the pinnacle of biblical encouragement and theology. It is very memorizable. It's five verses, it's easy to memorize. I know some of us have trouble if we've memorized it one way, we're trying to memorize it another. And by the way, just a little sidebar here, Here's why you should memorize psalms. I'll give you three quick reasons. Here's why every Christian should memorize psalms. Number one, it portrays a high view of God and a realistic view of man. We need that. Secondly, it teaches sound theology and and holy living. We need that. And third, it shapes your heart and mind, and we need that because there are a lot of things shaping our hearts and our minds. Number 100 is focused on God's universal reign as king. It is uh, the benediction of a string of psalms, Psalm 95 to 99, and then 100, just praises the Lord's kingly rule. The entire earth is being called in this psalm to worship Yahweh and do it with joy. It was written uh, to be chanted uh, or sung even in festal procession uh, approaching the temple uh, to worship. Uh, This psalm is an unbroken stream of praise. There's not one sad note in it. I was telling someone this week, I said, you know, Psalm 100 is so good, there's no sad notes, so that when I'm sad, it helps me. It calls for praise. It it expects those with new life to respond. Here's what we're going to see in Psalm 100, some things that God wants you and I to do. First, yield your soul to God. Second, know something about God. Third, respond sincerely to God. This is where we're going in this psalm. This is what God wants us to do. First, yield your soul to God. Then second, know something about God. And then third, respond sincerely to God. But first, yield your soul to God. This is what verses 1 and 2 tell us. This is a call to the entire world to worship God. This is actually a call to salvation. Put your eyes on verse 1. It says this, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And you're thinking to yourself, well, start singing, right? Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. You know, some of us were yelling at, at, at college football games yesterday, right? This is saying like, make a joyful yell to God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Respond to all of God's goodness with a cry of joy, Sometimes you shout angrily, sometimes you shout mindlessly, sometimes selfishly. This is shout to Yahweh, all the earth. And the idea is this is the call to salvation because it's saying all the earth should praise him. All the earth should praise him. This is none other than a shout of loyalty and homage, a shout of trust, a shout of faith. In verse 2, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. It's very emphatic. You need to offer worshipful obedience to God, everyone. That everyone should do this, that they they it shouldn't be a grudging obligation. Now you think about certain jobs that people hold, especially service jobs. Certain service jobs are looked down upon if you if you have a job of cleaning bathrooms, people don't necessarily want to shake your hand all the time. Or if you collect garbage, some things, sometimes people look down on those things. And, and interestingly, if someone's forced to serve as a slave, it's degrading, right? But not in serving God. He is the best master. Now, if you are not a believer, you are serving Satan, not God. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I came to church today. I, I bless God with my presence. Now you're going to hammer me? Uh, well, someone said to me the other day, uh, you should preach positively. I'm like, yes, I will positively preach the word of God. And if you are not a believer, you're serving Satan, not God. You've been blinded by Satan. And he is a hateful, harmful taskmaster. He's a bad master. But Jesus, Jesus sets Satan's slaves free to be God's servants, and, and here, this is, what this is, is believers are to trust in the Lord. Psalm 145 says it this way, I will extol you. I, I will literally extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. That's what, that's what believers do. They bless God's name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever. Isaiah 24 says this, from the ends of the earth... We hear songs of praise, of glory to the righteous one. This is all, Psalm 100 verses 1 and 2 is all nations being told to trust in Yahweh. And we see it in in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. Peter gets up and preaches boldly and authoritatively and Christ-centered and word-driven. And it ends up, God uses it and it's heart-piercing and they are called to repent and believe. And many people repent of their sins and believe in Jesus that day. They're they're basically obeying what Psalm 100 says to do. And the outflow of that is Acts 2 says that day by day, these believers were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, and praising God. They're doing what Psalm 100 says to do and having favor with all the people. And then the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the call to salvation. This idea of come into his presence with singing. Believers sing to God. That's what believers do. It's the outflow of Christ's life in you. You want to sing praises to God. He inhabits the praises of his people. When I was an unbeliever, I did not want to sing praises to God. I mocked being invited to a Keith Green concert, who died before I was saved, by the way. Let me see by a show of hands and raise them up a lot so I can see them. Who likes to sing here? Who likes to sing praises to God? That's what I meant. You knew what I meant. Who likes to oh no, keep Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. No one's, you'll be fine. You like to sing praises to God, yes? Who's good at it? Hold on, hold on. Thank you, thank you. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Okay, if you were all kindergartners, you'd all say you were good at it, so don't sell yourself short. But let me tell you something. If you're a Christian and you like to sing praises to God, please do not go singing into every situation, okay? Your life is not a musical. It's weird when you walk in singing. Sorry, worship team, okay? Sorry, worship team. No, what you need to do is find appropriate places to sing, and there's not any better appropriate place to sing but when the people of God come together to praise God. When your heart is joyful, you rejoice. Remember the joy you have in Christ, even no matter what. Oh, by the way, not joyful like I feel happy right now, but remembering the joy that you have in Christ no matter what is going on in your life. So make a joyful noise to the Lord with songs of praise. Psalm 95.2 is saying the same thing. Believer, you know, this is like... The newborn baby's cry of dependence. The overflow of a heart reborn is a heart that rejoices in Christ. And this is what these two verses are are pointing to. Shout for joy. Have excessive exuberant praise for God because of what he has done for your soul. And this is the call to the world to praise and worship God, which is a call of salvation, which you find Paul is preaching in Acts 17, and he says this. God, who made the world, and everything in it, Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything. But he himself gives life to all people, life, breath, and everything. In him we live and move and have our being. And then he says this, the times of ignorance God has overlooked. Overlooked. And now he is commanding all people everywhere to repent. Literally, turn from your sins. Because he has fixed a day that he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. He's talking about Jesus. And of this he gave assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Psalm 100 telling you and I to worship God is like saying everyone should repent and believe in Jesus. Uh, We're in 2023 right now. We know exactly what that means. So the question for you today is, have you confessed Christ as Lord? Like, do you believe in the Lord Jesus? Do you believe in the finished work of Christ in your place, on the cross, shedding his blood, dying in your place? He took your sins upon himself as your substitute. You need to believe in him. You need to repent of your sins. You need to turn from your sins and believe in Christ and be saved. This is what this psalm is telling us. This is right off the bat. It's not some warm, fuzzy, like, oh, all Christians should feel good. No, this is everyone needs to bow before the king of the universe. You remember back in the summer? Some of you are going to laugh. I know it. Some of you will laugh or snicker. In the summer, we had hurricane and tropical storm warnings in Southern California. Who remembers? Yeah. Turns out the warnings were worse than the storm. All right? But the storm of wrath and judgment that is coming from God upon all who will not repent and believe will be far worse than you think, so you cannot ignore the warnings. Some of you have been ignoring the warnings. Like, I'm going to wait till the very brink. I'm going to wait till I'm on my deathbed. Yeah, it might be too late you might forget but the hundredth calls for full surrender to God where you say wow God is sovereign he is holy he's the creator of all he sustains everything he is perfect but but mankind is sinful and stubborn and rebellious and wayward and Jesus is the only substitute he is the savior promised he is the one that was sacrificed in our place and shed his blood and so we must surrender we must repent and believe and obey and rely upon God's solution for our sin. But the repen- the unrepentant they don't they don't praise God they don't they don't serve Him, much less sing. I mean, plenty fake it falsely, right? But only believers, like only believers, sing God's praise truly from a heart reborn. God gives repentance. Or you will not believe that nothing in you makes you want to seek him He sought you. He opened your eyes to your wickedness and and his holiness and he drew you to himself by his grace And without the gift of repentance, you cannot follow jesus No repentance not a believer But god grants repentance that we might turn from our sins to jesus and follow him and then praise him let's say you're a believer today. And let's say when I said that part about singing God's praises, you're like, I'm going through too much right now. I can't sing. Happens to us a lot. When you find you can't sing. Happens to me all the time. When you find you cannot sing, do what Zephaniah 3.17 tells us. Let God sing over you with joy. And then do this. I I do this. I force myself to sing when I cannot sing. And it helps my soul. I, I force myself to sing when I feel I cannot sing and it helps my soul because I'm remembering that in a time of trouble, I'm to patiently wait on God. The Psalms tell me it over and over and over again. And I'm not to grumble at God or to God or at others or to others. and I'm not to be hasty to speak or act. No, I'm to sing a song of praise. And, and when I do that, when I don't want to do that, I, what, I, what I observe is God changing my mind, changing my heart. Do it. Sing a song of praise and watch God change your mind. James puts it this way in James 5.11. We considered those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Yield your soul to God. This is the first two verses. A believer's job. It's your, it's your daily occupation, if you will. Salvation by grace through faith in the Redeemer, in the Messiah, that leads you to yield your soul to God. But what that's built upon is knowing something about God. Look at verse three. It says, Know that the Lord is God. If you put your eyes on verse three, it says that. Know that the Lord, He is God. You need to know something about God. First, He is God. You're like, well, that's kind of an easy one. Well, not how a lot of people live. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. His people, his sheep, his pasture. Everything belongs to him. You know God is God and you are not. That You know it. What does that refer to? It's, it's, you experience that. You're fully assured of it. He is God. Israel's covenant God, Yahweh, is the only true God. Get it straight. Get certainty of it like you get the right answer to a math problem. No question about it. He is God. And he is a holy God. He's not your homeboy. He's not your genie. He's not your vending machine. He's not a creation of your mind. He's not a figment of your imagination. He made you. is he who has made us and not we ourselves. It points to the sovereignty of God. Uh, the theological term is the aseity of God, literally that he is self-originated, that he is self-generated in his godness. In creation and He's giving the word, But he, 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 he upholds everything by the word of his power. He works all things after the counsel of his will. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. He knows most, we know least. He made every human, whether they acknowledge Him or not. To the believer, we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. That indicates closeness and love and relational care. Like the psalmist said in Psalm 23:1, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, the king in the ancient biblical world was like a shepherd. And the image of God as shepherd is rich. The shepherd stays with the flock, feeds the flock, cares for the flock, protects the flock that's dependent on him, protects them from wild animals. Isaiah 40 says, Behold your God. The Lord comes with might. His arm rules for him. His reward is with him. His recompense is with him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead those who are with young. The Lord is the shepherd of all his people. In John 10, Jesus says, Essentially, I am Yahweh, that shepherd. I am, he says, the good shepherd. I fulfill the prophecy that God will come to shepherd his people from Ezekiel 34. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. They know me. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Because the good shepherd cares for his own. All of his own. If you belong to Jesus today, he is caring for you. No matter what it is that you are going through in life whether you brought it upon yourself or it was imposed on you. He sees. He sees when you are lonely or afraid or hard-hearted or prideful. And you need to know with assurance that God is God. In Acts 17, it says, God's, as God's offspring, we ought not to think That the divine being is like gold, silver, or stone, or an image formed by the art and imagination of man. John puts it this way in 1 John 5, the Son has given us understanding, so we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true, Jesus Christ, the true God and eternal life. Christian, dear Christian, you belong to him. You are his now, I realize some build some kind of facade up. When you see a facade, a fake front, you go, that's not real. And All you have to do is just take a look, right? Some build a facade, a fake, a movie prop, if you will. Some people look like a Christian, but they have this false sense of security. They're not trusting in Jesus. They're trusting in themselves, and they think they're right with God you know, through churchy activity, but the facade crumbles when things get stormy. Or some will just outright blaspheme. They're serving sin. They're serving Satan, who is a harsh taskmaster. And they get narcissism at its worst. I mean, like people like Megan Rapino said her injury during a soccer match last weekend is proof that God doesn't exist. Here's what she said. If there was a God, this is proof there isn't. Pierce Morgan retorts, I'd say it's more like definitive proof that God does exist and shares my point of view about this arrogant prima donna who doesn't deserve the attention she desperately craves. The Psalms tell us this, the moral fool says there is no God. You can be the smartest person in the room intellectually and be a moral fool. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So acknowledge Yahweh. Acknowledge the gentle, loving shepherd. He created you. If you're a believer, he recreated you. You're twice born, never to die again. So first acknowledge God's Godhood, but then I want you to look at verse 5. Acknowledge his goodness. He's God, but he's also good. He's a good God. Acknowledge God's Godhood, but all acknowledge God's goodness. Verse 5. The Lord is good. You see that? Now we call hamburgers good. We call a movie good. We call a concert good. No, he is good. He is the source of perfect goodness. You know, his steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations shows how good he is, His, his mercy, his truth. He keeps his promises. We don't. He keeps his promises. He is faithful. His mercy is everlasting. It's forever, and it's very frequent. His mercy endures forever. There's truth. His faithfulness endures to all generations. No end. So you hope in God's faithfulness. Right now, hope in God's faithfulness. He's going to keep his promises. He's going to keep his promises to you, believer, if to forgive you and deliver you and to save you and to sanctify you. And lead you and guide you and protect you and provide for you and give you rest and cleanse you is goodness. He's the epitome of goodness, best quality, best quantity, goodness, absolutely other, holiness, goodness, of the highest purity, plenty as pure, all goodness, full of mercy to all generations, every believer. His loving kindness, his mercy. As Psalm 36.5 says, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. We can't even go that far. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Look, one, my, my soul magnifies the Lord, rejoices in God, my Savior. He has done great things. Holy is his name. Mercy, he has mercy on those who fear him from generation to generation. His faithfulness, his truth. Even as God describes himself in, his ex, in, in Exodus 34, 6. The Lord proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, says his name twice. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He promised and provided a savior. He remembered his covenant. That's why Romans 15 tells us Christ Became came servant to show God's truthfulness, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. I'm a Gentile. I'm glorifying God for his mercy in Christ. As it is written, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. God kept his word. In Titus 1, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. God's goodness seen. You see it in the gospel. You see it in the church. You tell yourself daily, God is God and I am not. He is good. I can cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me. That the lonely are filled by God. Maybe you're widowed. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you've been broken up with. Maybe you've never married but always wanted to. Maybe you've been rejected or dismissed. You're hurting, you're grieving, you're lamenting. Loneliness sweeps in like an unexpected chill on a cold winter day and you you find your heart just waiting. And maybe you're tempted to start complaining and grumbling and fomenting the issues and it can poison your life like bacteria in a well. Contentment is needed from the Christian that only God can give. And where do we get that? Where do we get contentment? You don't think it up. I mean, why would you need the Psalms? I mean, really, a lot of Christians don't go to the Psalms. Why would you need the Psalms and especially 100? It's because your mind is not trustworthy, Christ's is. Your understanding is not infinite. God's is. Your prevailing inclination is to be selfish, not godly. I mean, if you're a Christian today, your new nature is still getting acclimated. Your obedience, it's, it's leaky. Your trust is wobbly. Your worship is erratic. You're not good. And you need to realize you need. I, I want to point you to the high road, but the only way to see the high road is if you recognize you may be on the low road, and that you might recognize that and say, "Wow, I I need to recognize the only deliverer, Jesus Christ. I need to realign my life to the one who can set things straight because I've made a mess of things." You know, you go to a chiropractor to, to realign your back. Go to God to realign your soul. Hebrews 12 tells us this, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles. That's repentance, turn from your sins, and look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. That's believe in Jesus. The Lord takes you by his good holiness and produces holiness in your life by bringing you through discipline that is painful yet profitable. It says, so make straight paths for your feet and that the limb which is out of joint may not be ruined further but would be healed. I was talking to someone this week and I said, you know, saying Psalm 100 over and over again and thinking it through, like thinking about it, it drives grooves in your mind. It has in mine. And a psalm, I'll just repeat myself, but a psalm with no sadness in it is medicine for your soul when you're sad. That's why scripture, meditation, and memorization, and prayer is so good for your soul. Those who trust Christ's sacrifice for their sins, they just continually give themselves over to him. That you yield your soul to God, and then because you know something about God he is God and he is good and that leads you to respond rightly to God it leads you to respond sincerely to God look at verse 4 here's what the instruction is enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise like give thanks to him bless his name so, so praise him. What does that mean? To sing and to say true things about him. Plenty of people say all sorts of things that are not true about God. You know, the people that, that um, I'm most worried about are the people that say, I can't believe in a God who would, and then they you know, fill in the blanks. And you're like, well, the Bible says he is, and he is good. He is good. So you, you praise him by singing and saying true things about him, And then you thank him, like have a grateful heart. And you notice it says, go into his gates and his courts. The temple was the place of sacrifice. That the public worship of God with his people happened there, and it happened with praise. But obviously some would come complaining, just like some of us come complaining. What did James say? Be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger, be quick to hear the word of God, slow to speak against God, slow to anger with God. The temple and the courts were the place of community. The temple and courts were the place of of worship. The New Testament tells us we are the new creation temple, the church. We worship everywhere, but we come together, we come together, and good job today, you didn't forsake the assembly. But when you come not forsaking the assembly, what you're saying is, I need Jesus, therefore I need and want his people to be around me. When it says don't forsake the assembly, it means don't tell the assembly and leave them in the lurch and say, I don't need you and I don't want you. The local church is your spiritual home of rejoicing and rest and relationships. Augustine said this about this psalm, let the flock enter into the gates. Let it not remain outside a prey for wolves. There was an African saying that said, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Think about it. Let's say this week you're walking one of your kids somewhere down the block, or you're, or you're walking a grandkid. You're walking with someone who has shorter legs than you and is not as fast as you. And you can go at your pace, but you might have to carry them, which will not help them in the long term. But well, we walk together in Christ, people are at all different stages of maturity and immaturity and, we, and, and of knowledge of the word or not. And it's like we, we are to walk together, not running ahead, not lagging behind, but helping one another. The redeemed gather together. What do we do? We rejoice with grateful praise and you love one another and, and you give the gospel to each other and you give the gospel to the ends of the earth. Bless his name. That's what it says. Bless his name. What does that mean? Bless God's name. It means praise who he is and what he does. His name signifies who he is and what he does. Bless his name. Bless who God is and what he does. Bless the Lord, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God and doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, who he is and what he does. Hebrews 13, 15, through him, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, who he is, what he does. Praising God, who promised a sovereign Savior in the garden and preached it to Abraham, and prefigured it in the wilderness, and predicted it by the prophets, and he's praised in the Psalms, and prayed for in exile, and he was pierced on the tree of pain, and he was proclaimed at Pentecost, and, and today we rejoice in him, in Christ, Jesus who paid our debt. If you're a Christian, you can say, Jesus paid my debt. He served my sentence. He, he bore my sins. He was, he was condemned in my place. He was chastised for my crimes, He was counted a transgressor because of me. And he takes me from whatever angst that's going on in my heart to awe of him. from a slave to sin to a slave of righteousness. From a child of wrath to a child of God. That I'm I'm no longer striving all the time. I'm serving him. I'm not blaming him and everybody else. I'm blessing. I'm not greedy. I'm giving. I'm not lost. I'm found. He poured out his soul to death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many. And he prays for me now. I'm going to appropriately respond to the Savior. Let me just say a few things by way of application on this psalm and what we've seen. You know, Psalm 100 verse 5 says of Yahweh, His loving kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. See how often this psalm speaks of Him. But we are always thinking about ourselves. And the first application point I would give you is this. Be careful about wanting to be pleased. God is the one full of mercy and goodness and generation blessing, covenant keeping, faithfulness. But we we somehow seem too often wrongly fixated on thinking that if everything and and everyone doesn't align with us, then all is lost and everything's a failure. That's a painful idolatry to live with. And it needs to be replaced with sincere worship. You and I both do this. We forget about the goodness of God. We forget about the loving kindness of God. We forget about the faithfulness of God. We must be remem- reminded. I mean, do you think, Christian, do you think that God's not going to come through for you? Do you think that God's not going to meet you in your deepest need? Do you think that God's not going to give you what is good? Do you think that God is not going to serve your very soul with heaven's delights? tell me, if you've lost what you have most cherished, if right now you do not have what your soul deserves and desires, and you're sitting in despondency due to your loss, tell me. And by the way, our our soul deserves death. But we think we deserve so much. We live entitled. Or tell me, you who sit with a full cup and bountiful blessings and your whining and whimpering and smirking and scowling and saying, I don't have enough. Tell me, who are you living for? I have to ask myself that question when I look in the mirror. Who do you love most? Well, don't tell me Jesus if you blame him or judge him or by your deeds deny him. Don't tell me Jesus. If you have painfully lost or either blindfully gained, your problem is the same if you're not acknowledging God rightly. It's prideful idolatry. And if that's your case today, just plead for the mercy of God and don't don't rest until you have assurance that all is well and will be well in Christ. And know in your soul that if you only had Christ, you would have more than enough. Let the word renew your mind careful about wanting to be pleased. A second thing, say thank you. Say thank you. That a thankful heart is a heart that receives everything in due time from the giver of every good and perfect gift, even when it's wrapped in suffering and pain or joy and gladness. The good God gives good gifts, but does thankfulness characterize your life? I'm going to give you a test. Here's the test. Can you thank the server at the restaurant? Can you thank the person cleaning the bathroom? Can you say it without entitlement? I think if you can give restaurant thanks, maybe you can thank God. You know, babies don't thank, do they? I asked someone the other day, I said, how about your one-year-old? Has she thanked you yet for cleaning her diapers and changing her and feeding her and clothing her and sheltering her? No, she hasn't, what's her problem? I don't know when people start saying thanks, but I think it's when we recognize that we've received help. Because the proud do not think. The humble realize the world doesn't revolve around them. And there's somehow built into their life a knee-jerk thankfulness uh, that is very medicinal to our souls. As Jesus says, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Say thank you. And then thirdly, stay low. In Ephesians 4.1, we'll be in Ephesians 4 next week, walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility. That word humility literally means low thinking. And it's defined this way. It's the gentle attitude that's expressed in patient submissiveness to offense. And is free from malice and desire for revenge. Because if you think you're entitled to something by God, then the moment you don't get it, you're going to be frustrated. Think about it. Maybe you just got a spouse. Maybe you just lost a spouse. Maybe you don't like your spouse. Maybe you just bought a house. Maybe you just lost a spouse. Maybe you don't like your uh, uh, house. Or or maybe you don't like your house. (laughs) Maybe you just got a job. Maybe you lost it. Maybe you don't like it. But Christian, what if you meditate on the gospel and see what you have right now? It would beget thankfulness because whatever you do daily with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your soul is your daily worship. It might be your work. It might be your pleasure. It might be your addiction. It might be your conflict. It might be your anger. Make Psalm 100 your daily worship. Let the word dwell in in you richly, and transform your heart, and transform your household, and transform the household of God, and that there would be a reverberating goodness via meditating on and mindfully living the 100th Psalm. It's been my daily worship companion since 1982, 40 plus years, I recite it daily, our family has memorized it and we say it have said it together hundreds of times and there are grooves etched in our souls. And it is often on my mind it's been indelibly impacted my life and I would just say make this psalm your daily worship. Lord, we know that no matter where we find ourselves now in this moment in time whether we are riding a wave of success we've never seen or everything is falling apart. We need to glorify you and we need this psalm. Our propensity is to give ourselves credit. We need uh, your word to renew our minds so we wouldn't be filled with pride and think that somehow we got ourselves where we're at. Lord, help us to constantly dwell on your word, that you would give us the strength we need to be the people you intend, knowing knowing this, that your word isn't gonna keep us from trouble, but it will lead us through it. You will focus us on what is good and right and true, and that you will continue to lead and guide and protect and provide. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that we would Shout to you that we would serve you, that we would sing to you, that we would know you are God, we would know you are good, and that we would give thanks to you and we would praise you with all our hearts. I pray this in Christ's name, Amen.
2: Amen. If you're able, would you stand as we close singing, Shine into Our Night?
0: What we should be We haven't sought What we should seek We've seen your glory Lord, but looked away Our hearts are bent Our eyes are dim Our finest works Are stained with sin And emptiness Has shadowed All our ways. Christ, shine into our night, drive our dark away, till your glory fills our eyes, Jesus Christ, shine into our night, bind us to your cross, where we find love. Chase the world, forget your grace But you have never failed To bring us back feel the depth of what you've done The death you died, the victory won You made a way for us To know your love And Jesus Christ shine into our night, drive our dark away, till your glory fills our eyes, Jesus Christ, shine into our night, bind us to Drive our dark away Till your glory fills our eyes Jesus Christ, shine into our night Bind us to your cross Where we find
3: light. As we go, just a few announcements. want to welcome... Some new members, we've had a lot of new members, we're praising God for them. Uh, Tom and Donna Bois, and John Pence and Leslie Warren are the, the uh, most recent four, and there's more in the holding pattern waiting for us. Um, also, this week is a bit of a quiet week uh, with Thanksgiving and all that, so no youth or children or midweek services. Office is closed Thursday and Friday. And we gave out a Thanksgiving devotional the last couple weeks. Uh, just encourage you to... Uh, Get in the word and pray with those that you gather with. And then, not too early to talk about this, Christmas Eve on the plaza, 4 to 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. You know what day that is. All right, let's close with Romans 11, 33 to 36, and I'll pray. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Lord, that is our prayer as we have sung, as we have prayed, as we've heard your word. Send us now by your grace for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Sovereign in the mountain air, sovereign on the ocean floor, with me in the calm, with me